Uh, I just believe in the process, and we're, we're going to win going through the process. Now, Bill's Mafia. It's time for the main event. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, a UK Bills podcast, Bills News with the UK Twist. Matt here with Robin. Mark, unfortunately, is down with COVID, so it's just the two of us. And we are delighted to be joined by NFL draft analyst, 12-year draft analyst from the UK, Liam Lodge. Liam, thank you very much for for coming on the the show for me. It's a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. There's a lot of red, white and buffalo blue on the screen at the moment. I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) What we love to hear. So... Before before we get into everything, obviously we'll we'll talk combine, we'll talk prospects for the Bills and all that. Just a little bit of background about about yourself, um, obviously who you support, how you got into the whole scouting and uh, draft analyst and all that. Um, just so, just so our listeners can just have a listen to see how how you got mm. into it. Well, yeah, I got into it via the route of the love of the the sport, like like many people get into the the game. And uh, after watching it, um, the Seattle Seahawks were the team that I settled on at, at quite a young age. So we weren't the team that we became back then. It was it was a it was a struggle for years, guys. I was telling you with the Seahawks, and then uh, yeah, the, obviously we be, the, be grew and became the, the franchise we become, and you kind of have to enjoy it while you can uh, when uh, you get the success. Um, but then yeah, I, I've kind of I've done. Uh, kind of sports writing um, in my time. I've I've worked for kind of a number of different um, newspapers and outlets, BBC Sport uh, for a time, and getting into the NFL and just be- combining the two. My love of the game being my love of of writing, um, and then yeah, it's probably yeah about ten years or so ago. I really started to get interested in the draft, and then you kind of you kind of just start to analyze and get interested in the guys that are, are coming through and it, it just built into um into the the kind of draft analyst work that i do now i, I got i've worked and collaborated with other sites and, and now i have my own sites and uh yeah worked on uh, scouting reports um different scouting guides over the years um and yeah as kind of draft nicks do that it kind of uh you it becomes your time of year. It just kind of grows and, and grows on you, and you end up uh, you kind of have a nice running knowledge of the whole class and in general. Yeah. I guess this is uh, like your postseason, isn't it, really, Liam? This is it's like for a draft. Christmas. This is sort of like leading up to your Super Bowl. Uh, you, you, we're, just, we're just getting to the wild card divisional rounds uh, <laughs> with the combine, and now you got uh, exactly the real big big stuff on the horizon. Anybody that like that really loves the the draft, April is Christmas for them. And yeah. like you say, this is like yeah, this is like preparation month with, uh, especially when the combine suddenly comes around. It does come around quick after mm. the, the college season. I'm, I because of the draft, I follow a lot of college football as well. Yeah, the, it goes by so quick, and then all of a sudden it's combine time, and you're a month away from the draft. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I I I do enjoy. I try get into college football as best as I can on there, but I really enjoy the um, like you like you seen a bowl, your East West Shrine games and all that, just to obviously see the different range of um, players from different schools, different um, college levels, and how they fare against each other. Because 
it is scouting and this sort of stuff is stuff that I'm generally interested in. I always, every year I try to do it. Um, but just watching those games and obviously speaking to guys like yourself and all the other draft next draft analysts out there really does really open up a new a new area a new interest within the uh, within the sport itself yeah and and anyone like yourself that is like even maybe a newbie to the draft in general it's become such an, an industry of its own hasn't it with the, mm. the kind of full-time uh, the the biggest sports sites that have their full-time nfl draft team of writers and and you you can get gain so much information and the, you can continue your interest and then the growth through them as well it's it's such an such a cool time of year um yeah to be following those sort of writers yeah newbie, newbie to the draft you say that 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 sounds like a uh a function with my name on it really because uh, <laughs> you're looking for somebody a little a little green um just before we go into the uh, combine lane, can I ask you a question? Because it's all—it's always been interesting to me. And I was—you mentioned about scouting networks. Matt may probably know this as well. What is the trigger, if you like? What? When does a player start to become scouted? When does a player start to get a, a name? Because they, 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 I, from what I've read about scouting networks, it really is a network. It's almost an entire almost corporate agency, isn't it, of people that go around and information starting to be gathered. When does that process begin for a player? How old are they? And what, what are those initial kind of evaluations like? Well, as soon as, soon as uh, guys uh, are uh, graduating high school and um, being recruited to their colleges, so this is when they're, they're 18 years old, that can be as early as, as the process of, of scouting a guy starts. There's a really good example is a young man called uh, Trevion Henderson, who is freshman at Ohio State this year, mm. his first year at college. And the, he's the sort of player that the sky's the limit with him. And when you watch college football and you see, we watch Ohio State play and you realise that there's this young uh, young man, freshman running back, um, playing at the level that he's playing, still with two years before he's even draft eligible, that can be as early as the process of, of scouting and getting to know these guys um, yeah. begins. Then there's the, uh, by their third year of, of college, they're draft eligible. Yeah. And uh, and that can be when a when process starts. Sometimes um, a player, um, uh, even... Uh, if they're eligible, if they're eligible, the the interest in them can grow just because of the jump they make in college. Mm. Joe Burrow is a really good example. I would say his second year at LSU wouldn't be surprised if there was still kind of day three grades on him from some people, and he took this enormous leap, um, and uh, just went on to have the uh, season that he had. Tremaine um, Edmonds is another um, another example of it because he was like yeah. nineteen when he was drafted. Um, and I think there's a guy from a running back from Nebraska, or Wisconsin. Um, oh, the Wisconsin running back. Yeah. Yeah. Braylon. Braylon. Braylon Allen. Yeah. yeah. Really good player. And um, only 17 at the start of this season and mm. running over people. I, it, it is Wisconsin play that that blue collar tough style of football. And he fitted right in as a freshman. And yeah. I mean, there'll be a lot of, uh, as uh, Robin said, a lot of the, the network out there will be tracking these guys 
from season one and mm. obviously there's the potential in, in all these players especially at the younger age but if they want to play their full three or four years at college um, then the growth is there to be had as well even if you don't hit the ground running Joe Burrow as I say is a good example of that but yeah. um yeah, a lot of um, many of like uh, draft fans will kind of take interest in uh, players when they're draft eligible. But the process and the network, as, as Robin said, it can start as early as their freshman year. Yeah. So let's let's get on with the combine. Obviously, probably as we're as we're speaking and recording this, I think it's actually going on straight at the moment um, with the uh, with the on field uh, on field drills and all that. I know previous years and all that and it's been phased out now the um the wonderlick test um everyone used to love actually talking about that especially on the quarterback side of it um obviously a staple combine did it really tell us about the prospect and how they would do or is it the the interview they have with the um with the gm and the coaches that really sell sell the prospect because obviously you're looking at guys that can score high on the wonderlick going to have a good seat good career or even worse having a worse wonderlick and going on to have a good career it's uh, it's an interesting one because as a as an iq test if you were to test like football iq i think that that would be a better measurement and probably what happens in the in the interviews i would put a lot more stock in in the interviews especially mm. as we're talking about um, 32 different teams in the league. It's one of my favourite things to say about the draft is you're going to have 32 different processes going on because uh, different teams, obviously, that have different needs, but they're also going to approach the draft in, in different ways. And um, the Wonder League test um, is obviously a good way of, of measuring um, IQ. Um, you can kind of argue whether that then translates onto the football field if you wanted, uh, obviously, a, a quarterback that has to diagnose and process defenses really, really quickly, you want to know that their mental capacity is is where you where you want it to be. Um, that the same with any player, actually, any defensive player that has to read what an offense is doing, it, it can have um, it can have um, an upside to it. So, yeah. So, so just obviously talk on that point. I mean. I know certain players actually have transitioned from, say, wide receiver to cornerback, uh, quarterback to uh, linebacker, and all that sort of stuff. Is that could that be used as a better, more better measurement than than a wonderlick test, where you're just sitting in a room and all that? Because if you've gone from, especially if you're going from one position to another over time, especially in a short amount of period of college, would that be a better way to? in essence, gauge where this um, where this prospect would be in how he understands the speed of the game for the position he's playing in. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think so. Um, if you've got a, a cornerback converted from wide receiver, that's a good sign in terms of, you know, that there's going to be, he's going to have some short hands and mm. the physical attributes he's going to bring to your team. Um, it's a good idea i think that the interview a lot of what happens in the interview process is that um if we take quarterback as an example again i think that a team will sit down and show a couple of plays to um the, the young guy and to, and to say okay what was going through what were you seeing here what were you reading here and um again that's all to do with with mental capacity and how to read to play the same with um with other positions i think that uh, 
as I say, I think football IQ is, I think you can put a much more, much more stock in it as opposed to just a general IQ that something like the Wonderlick test brings out in guys. Yeah. So, Robert, you got anything you want to, you want to well, talk? No, about? yeah. I mean, j- j- just on that, I was reading earlier today. Uh, apparently, one of the one of the record film breakdowns was Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons, uh, quarterback. In a, he did in a fifteen minute interview, he managed to break down twenty pieces of film. And he managed to identify what went right, what went wrong, what could have been done better, what he what what he did wrong. And I just remember like trying to calculate that. That's like four. I think that's. 40 seconds is it 45 seconds for us for for the showing him 20 plays you never get that done in the 15 minutes i take it they didn't ask him any of those weird questions that i was, that I was seeing others if you could kill <laughs> someone and not get caught oh there's some okay. terrible there's been some terrible ones over the years isn't there there was um i've heard you know there's been players have been asked about their private lives and yeah. and, and bits and like robin says yeah just I think throwing in questions that are maybe, you know, a bit obscure if they're riddles or something that gets you thinking, yeah, yeah. maybe, but anything like anything to do with private lives and things, it's, there is a kind of line that has been, but because they've been reported in the past, I hopefully I haven't heard from the last few years, that it seems to be that that's, those sort of questions are kind of getting phased out in the process. So that's good. Well, yeah. I was going to I was going to ask you something. This is one that came up. I, well, I was just speaking to Matt before we started recording, so I, I you, you you might this might be new to you, uh, Liam. So I'm just going to read it out and I'll just see if you have any thoughts. Um, it was I was quoting my source and uh, si.com, and I'll, I'll read it out. I'll read it out to you. It says, in a memo in a memo obtained by Associated Press, it was sent to clubs on Wednesday. So we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, NFL said that a team would forfeit a draft pick between the first and fourth round and be fined a minimum of $150,000 if it's determined a club representative displayed conduct that is disrespectful, inappropriate or unprofessional during an interview with uh, corresponding fines and suspensions club employees. Now, knowing uh, as much as you may do about about the combine, what could they possibly be uh, be pointing at there? Is it these slightly obscure and... Possibly it's, 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 it's questioning, do you think? And it's, trying to it's, it's, that, it's that line being crossed. And um, so I I can understand them, as I say, kind of riddle-based questions that are not to do with football. I can see them asking that. But I've heard, um, like I say, questions about people's private lives, about people's sexuality. Um, yeah. And, that, you know, thank, like I say, thankfully, the last, I would say, three to four years, that seems to have kind of gone away a little bit. As you say, you mentioned the the team, the team representatives. This still uh, seems to be that some teams just can't seem to handle representatives at these kind of events. That there's still always stories about somebody is asked or done or um, organised a meeting at a wrong time. I've heard uh, different odd things like that. Yeah, um, it would be great if the the whole interview process could stick to just football. Mm. And I'm sure that there are questions that are a little bit more obscure yeah i mean if we're, if we're, if we're talking about the uh, prospect interviews themselves obviously some are not documented really during the combine you may get the glance from um from reporters saying that this prospect's met with so and so so and so um why is it so important to the teams and that different teams ask ask different questions and actually more put more value on it than just actually 
hearing what other what their scouts are saying or get the word of mouth from say said players um, positional coach or head coach and all that they need to know that they if they especially in terms of finding a franchise quarterback for example they need to be it, it's such it's so difficult to find one as most of the league has found out and um the difference between the structure the schemes of the teams the offenses that they're running compared to what they're now going into in the nfl it is different and you do want to know that a guy can process at a, a pro speed like matt ryan is a good example um, of being able to diagnose things as quickly as possible in terms of um, the questions about what they would ask they i think it would be all to do with their own schemes and to say you know if we were to if we were to take you and we're running this as our playbook and this is our two minute drill our four minute offense where whatever it is like um and to go through the, the plays and um to make sure that uh, the player is getting is giving the answers that they want to hear in terms of um each question kind of perhaps representing a play and mm. and that can happen at all um positions of course as well um, yeah and that just to make sure that schematically that the players fit obviously physically the, the film can show that if there's like a, a position of uh, physically that the player's doing what he wants him to do there's still um yeah diagnosing plays etc it's usually it will be different for every team so every team's gonna um, yeah have specific questions to do with their their scheme mm. so what where we go we we'll go on to the to the workouts and all that we got quite a bit to actually cover in here obviously you've got the four yard dash three cone drill vertical jumps so on so on positional drills that they do for each one what bearing does the, the results especially on the combine level and in a little bit during their pro days between uh, march and april and all that how does that um what bearing does that have on scouts and gms versus the success of what they've actually done in games in college and obviously the the prospect um the, the positional drills that they actually do go they go through on the combine so mainly you're looking at the speed and jump ability so you're the main the main entertainment let's call it of the combine yeah it is the the speed parts are the entertaining parts everyone loves the 40 yard dash don't they um yeah the whole point of the combine it, it is it is athletic testing and you know uh, but yeah there is like um it's not just you know running jumping climbing trees for the for the sake of of doing a workout it, it's um there's as you say the the 40 yard dash is is for speed you've got the vertical and broad jumps to to test explosiveness and balance and um uh that will help um different guys from different positions kind of um be scouted um for physically um bench press for strength and endurance um which is more kind of for the guys in the trenches that are going to be like strength first i always like it when uh, special teamers like kickers and punters are made to do uh, the bench <laughs> press because that that having to lift the, the same stuff it's nothing like watching it like a d lineman that it's really interesting but uh, you can kind of work um uh again bring a pro team will kind of um 
look at the results as a, as an importance for working out how to fit a player into their scheme and maybe to figure out if what they've seen on film uh, will translate into their team if you're looking for like an offensive lineman for example um if we take a scheme like the like the San Francisco 49ers you kind of know what you're going to get from their offense this season the kind of I know that Mike McDaniel has moved on now but the 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 kind of offense that they under Carl Shanahan run you know that there's going to be uh, a lot of movement from the o-line a lot of mm-hmm. flats a lot of getting out into space and um if they are looking for wide offensive linemen um and they're watching the tape in college they're seeing maybe a lot of of zone, more zonal blocking a lot of run blocking but if they think that they're athletic and they want to know that they can get out into space and to get downfield for people like Debo Samuel then the uh yeah the combine workouts can can help them figure that out if they kind of think that they can kind of like tick the box it's all about box ticking really yeah um which is why I kind of feel sorry in a way uh, for the guys because it, it you you don't have to kind of uh, be as fast uh, jump as far as possible but there is kind of a, a limit it's just making sure that you you're if you're not able to tick those boxes then you're in trouble most of the guys should be able to even if they can't hit their their ceiling athletically mm-hmm. um it's yeah just about showing up and making sure that you can that you can do it yeah do you think i was i was thinking about those tests because as matt was saying before about the bearing that a 40 yard dash yeah that's great that that measures how athletic you are and three cone drills vertical jumps and so on and so on and breaking down film is obviously very important but i'm just wondering is there any utility do you think in doing and obviously i'd need to think about the practicalities but doing say a two minute offense even if you're doing seven on seven, I'm guessing it would be touch football or flag football. Let's not do the free hits. You know, let's not let's not be breaking anyone's legs before they uh, before they even get drafted. Let's not let's not be nobbling anyone before they even their career even starts. But I'm just thinking like like almost like as a practical exam because you'd argue, okay, yeah, fine, practical is forty yard dash stuff, but actually, as quite as much as you might be able to, to try and simulate what being in a game might actually be like. It's definitely more practical, and and actually the the um the bowl games like this the uh, the senior bowl now, uh, the workouts that they do they do one on one drills they they have mm. offensive linemen versus defensive linemen for a day, and then the, right. uh, they're split into um two teams, and uh, it's become bigger and bigger the senior bowl now and, and yeah. scouts absolutely love it and uh, you get the two sets of NFL coaches to coach, uh, half of the prospects each I think this year was. Uh, the Jets coaches with Robert Salah against um, the Lions. The Lions, Lions yeah. Um, so they get to work with pro coaches, um, and they do do what I would say are um, more practical drills um, than mm. at the combine. It's great to watch, as I say, one on ones between offensive linemen and defensive linemen. We get to see one on ones between wide receivers and cornerbacks, and yeah, um, yeah it's um, it's. It's a good, it's a good watch and a good for for the film studiers to to see who who can do what against who. Yeah. So we've got obviously the you, you we see it all the time um, this year. At least two that I know at the moment: uh, Malik Willis and um, uh, Limbaum, the um, the centre. Obviously, are not taking part in drills, and obviously you've got guys that have been. Um, 
they've been injured, they've been invited to the drafts, obviously cannot take part in drills and the dashes and all that. In in your opinion, obviously excluding the injury and all that, does that really hamper um, a scout or GM's opinion of that prospect? So say, for example, we do, we go wide receiver, we just say, uh, let's pick a name out of the hat, Sky Moore, for example, um, if he doesn't take part in any of the drills and just does the interview, does that really hamper what the scouts, GMs will see? Or in the case, they'll just go back and look at the um, the film, really, and say, OK, we see what he's done. He, he interviews well. We'll go on that basis. I think that it's fair to say it is, is tape first and what you do um, on, on tape um, kind of is more important than the whole combine in general but I for a guy like Sky Moore who I think is still trying to um kind of he he's got he can elevate his stock with a good workout and I think that he would be recommended to do it um staying with wide receivers I like I heard listening to your episode last week and you brought up Jameson Williams um obviously he's injured mm. scouts well kind of they'll they'll be okay to like let a guy that has like put up the film like here his um kind of go with the film first and the same with uh with Linderbaum. um malik willis is going to throw thankfully we are going to get to see him throw which um is uh is kind of the one to watch with the with the quarterbacks um i yeah. think everyone is a little bit upset at not seeing him doing the 40 yard dash and the the cone drills because of obviously the the scrambling element to his game and he is quick over ground which he's had to be um playing behind the sort of offensive lines he's been given but um he will get to show off his strong arm which is a good thing and i think he has apparently the whole reason that he is skipping the drills is that his interviews went very very well and he's been told that his interviews went very very well so he's banking on them as kind of he will say you can again we we talked about the sort of questions that would have been asked he would have gone through yeah tape of his season and then he will say you know what i can do i have the physical traits that's a big thing with willis as a prospect is it's the physical tools that he has to work with he can make all the throws all over the field short medium deep range stuff and and now you've like you've seen what I can do. This is the film. The interview process went well. I'll throw at the combine. I don't need to do anything else. And I think a yeah. lot of players that put up the sort of tape that he does, I think that they can bank on that, which is like a guy like Linderbaum, as you say, I think he can do that as well. Hmm. So what what prospects in in the in the combine um, really can help their stock in in there with with a strong combine in the drills and obviously in the interviews um obviously i guess you've got a fair few names on there but maybe a couple maybe five or so if you've got that amount that really would let's have a look let's, shock. guys let's go with the guy right near the top of the class um we again talking about guys that are skipping mm. uh, offensive tackle evan neal out of alabama is is skipping the drills um, I think that this is an opportunity for a guy, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, who um, he's not far behind Evan Neal for me in terms of um, overall grading. And he said today, he, he made a point of saying that he's going to do every drill and he knows that he can raise his stock. And if, if I don't think that 
offensive tackle is out of the question for the Jags at number one. And I think Charles Cross could be still well in the conversation at number one with a good workout. And I think he will work out very well. He's very, very strong. Underst his understanding of, of leverage and the position is excellent, but his movement skills, he's very rarely beaten out wide around the corner. And I think that he'll work out really, really well. I think he'll put really good numbers. And um, I think that means that he's in contention still for the number one overall pick for that reason. Um, I mentioned wide receivers earlier. Uh, one of the wide receivers kind of a bit lower down, kind of maybe a day two pick um, is uh, Charleston Rambo from the University of Miami. Um, really, really like him. Oklahoma transfer. And um, just the key thing for me that I love about him that I think the league will really like is that how easy he can get separation, how easy he can get mm. open. Um, quick in a straight line, really, really smooth route runner, solid hands, really good all-round skill set. I think he's something of a sleeper. I think there's the, that kind of range from pick 50 to, let's say, 150, that, that kind of range of uh, picks. There's kind of like quite a big group of receivers that I think can kind of separate themselves from others with a good workout, and I think he will. Um, Kyle Phillips from UCLA, again, he'll be probably a day three guy, but really, really good slot receiver. And uh, we mentioned the uh, the bowl games that these guys go through with their workouts, as well as the combine, had a really good shrine bowl. Um, his um, first step and quickness ability to get open, really, really good, um, really good slot receiver. Um, he's a late round guy um, that I think will probably kind of push himself up with a good workout and he looks athletically like he can. Um, I know that you guys uh, talked cornerbacks um, for the yeah. Bills. Um, a kind of day two guy who could improve his stock for him cornerback is uh, Tariq Woolen from UTSA. Um, I think he's going to have a really good workout. You think and he's going to break the speed, the uh, the combine record for the 40? A couple of the Baylor lads that I uh, think yeah. are going to be going really 4 quick. 4.22, just in case anyone was wondering. John Ross. 4.22 by John Ross. And, um Unfortunately, he didn't have the best pro career out of it, but he can run very fast. <laughs> yeah. And um, 4.2, well, under 4.3, anything in the 4.2s is like the top 98, 99% um, mm. all time. And there are one or two guys with a track background, um, really good 100 metre times. And these are the guys that, um, like, Woolen as well, I think is really, really quick in a will go really, really quick in a straight line. And the reason I think it'll help his stock is because he's quite a tall guy for the cornerback position. Um, he's got, he's, and he looks athletic on film. He's got loads of length. Um, I like the fact that he plays for UTSA. They had a great yeah. season this season. It's been a while since um, a, UTS, a UTSA have had prospects uh, that could, and I think I can think of at least three guys that, they, that are going to be drafted from UTSA this year. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I thought of uh, with his skill set. He's got great athleticism. Burst of the football is the sort of traits that the NFL are looking for um, nowadays. Um, that kind of burst to the the kind of shorter routes that you can kind of sit back and then burst to the football. Really, yeah. really, really, really good skill set with with Tariq Woolen. Um, there's a defensive tackle out of UConn called Travis Jones, who's getting a lot of buzz. Love Travis Jones. Love him. It's been very, it's been really, really rough 
uh, playing on the Yukon football team for the last few years. I think they've got they've had something like four wins in the last four years. I think their record something like one and eleven, two and ten, and one and eleven from the last three full seasons. Um, but they do have Travis Jones, who's defensive mm. lineman, who I think is going to be gone in the first three rounds. And again, he will help his stock um, with a good workout. And I expect him to. He's, he's athletic, got a lot of strength. He's got a lot of um, lot of good uh, a lot of good tape. They played uh, Clemson this season with a very very good offense. And uh, yeah, it was one of his bare tapes. Um, he, with the buzz that he's getting, apparently he had a, he again interviewed very well. Um, and senior bowl was good. Um, he's a guy that came to mind as well that can can raise his stock. Yeah, I mean, what what about what about guards? Because I know, and I've, I've talked about this on a, I think a couple of podcasts ago. Um, the Bills probably going to look for the more probably athletic um, guards on there, maybe a Zion Johnson type um, type player, because I know they're more likely going to try and run like a uh, pin and pull um, uh, blocking system. Where, what, or what, who, which prospects really are that athletic that can really shine and actually raise their, um, raise their stock? Zion Johnson's a really good shout. And it, that depends as well on how early you think that they're going to look at the interior alignment. Do you think that uh, they're going to that it's in play with the first round pick? I think I think it could be. Yeah. I think it could. I mean, obviously, it depends on how they get in, in free agency and what they do um, with our own free agents. But I could see I could see them going for someone like Johnson who can have that ability and he's actually practiced at the senior bowl to play centre. Yeah, so you've got that flexibility, exactly. and even if you do resign, if we resign um, Bates and Botka, maybe draft someone. We've got someone we can keep in in reserve, do what we usually do with our rookies, and then maybe even make him heir apparent to Mitch Morse under centre. Yeah, well, Mitch Morse is a great guy to learn from as well. When you've got interior guys coming in, it's like say if they decide that they want to go early with it, and it'll be it's like a it it will be there's going to be movement throughout the night if they can't quite get the guy that they like early then maybe they'll, they'll wait a bit later but if they want to go guard early Zion Johnson's definitely in play. Um, the Boston College is known for its its offensive linemen and the unit is is a really really strong unit. There's going to be um, the uh, the center um, Alec Lindstrom is going to be drafted fairly early as well mm. and um, Zion Johnson's another guy who had a really really good senior bowl showed off like just that he's got the upper body strength as well as the movement um yeah I th- he's probably going to be my og1 he's got great all-round skill set so if they go guard early he's a really good shout um kenyon green as well from texas a&m another yeah. guy that will be near the top of the the og class um very similar actually and as you say if you're going for the if you need like guys that, that are pulling and on the move he's got a very athletic skill set and um again should test well um if we're looking like i say because it the, the could change they could look elsewhere early in the draft guys later in the draft especially i was thinking of um good run blockers um lasita smith from virginia tech uh, yeah. is a guy i really like um i first saw him when i was scouting christian darasaw last year and darasaw went in the first round um I wasn't as high on him as, as some, but I, I knew that he would be a, a first round talent. And then watching him, you noticed Lasita Smith next to him 
um, on the inside, especially run blocking. They had really good run uh, running offense at Virginia Tech. And um, yeah. yeah, he works really well. There's some guys that uh, like uh, Jamari Salier of, of Georgia, Darian Kennard of Kentucky are guys that are playing at good run blockers that are playing at offensive tackle that can move inside. And um, I think that um, Kennard especially, uh, it'd be, there'll be like um, kind of earlier, the earlier rounds again for, for Kennard. But those are guys, um, like say, they have good movement, good run blocking. Um, as I say, Kennard and, and Sally are guys that have played tackle, but um, mm. can move inside. Yeah. So what the one question I'm going to leave till till the end on there um, is going to be talking about the the two Brits that are actually um, mm-hmm. in the in the draft. We all we all love to hear about those. I mean, what what prospects? Doesn't matter if they're round one, round seven, or anything like that. Is there uh, a couple of prospects that the Bills really should look out for in the draft, knowing that you're more likely going to look at probably cornerback, um, wide receiver, and probably maybe O line as the main, main, um, the main. What's the your, word? Your, your targets. Your targets for That's where you're building. <laughs> Well, I'm going to, I'd like to ask you guys as well, because last week when you were, you were discussing um, the draft and you talked about defensive line, and I thought it was really interesting that you guys think that defensive line is in play um, in the first round, because I've really liked how you guys have, have built the defensive line. Going back to uh, the Ed Oliver pick, mm. you then had mm. uh, AJ Epineza in the second round, when I think he was a he's top 20 pick that you got in the second round. And then you built on that last season with Gregory Russo and uh, Boogie Basham as well. I thought that was really interesting that you guys the early as well, early picks on on strong defensive linemen. I'm interested to hear to ask you as well if you think that that, that could be in play early as well as it, defensive linemen. It's, it's Latulele. I think um, Matt would probably agree with me. I think a lot hinges about whether they get him back and whether they get him back on a to use the phrase team-friendly deal. I, If I was going to stick my neck out, I think he's probably gone. I think he's on too much and has been a little patchy with... Um, I know he's had COVID and he's had, he's had things like that, but I, I think you're always trying to get cheaper and younger. And I think essentially they might bring back one of the defensive ends, either Joey Hughes or Mario Addison. I, I think... I think if they do, one comes back on a deal. But I think if Latule there goes, I think they're definitely in the market for D linemen because that leaves us with leaves us with AJ uh, Basham and Rousseau as our three. You know, the future of our defensive ends. And I think they want one more as a as a lineman and maybe keep one more veteran just in the room, just to have someone with more experience. Yeah, I think it's the case we'd like to rotate. Um, our, our D-line on there and when you've got the likes of Vernon Butler who hasn't really done anything afterwards, you've got Harrison Phillips who's a free agent um, obviously Star uh, Obada is is a free agent um, Hughes Addison our thing, there is holes in there but it's nice to get fresher and maybe find someone that if we do keep a Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison or a Star You've got someone behind him that's going to really work hard on there. 
I think mm. what Montgomery, how Montgomery's built played it with the um, with the rotation on there really does make me think that there will be at least one, maybe two defensive um, defensive line prospects in. Hope maybe in the first couple of rounds, maybe a little later. But I do see them being a a sneaky need, as you as as people would say. And Brandon Bean is always in every single interview. He's always about best player available. He he doesn't tend to pick for the need. So everyone's talking about, you know, we've been talking about cornerback yet, you know, because we don't know when Trey's coming back and we all hope he's back at 100%. But potentially with Levi Wallace leaving as well, there's maybe a hole there for a second cornerback. But I don't think Brandon Bean will reach. I think if there's a D lineman who he thinks can line up well with Ed Oliver, can be a long-term replacement, or even, dare I say, an excellent wide receiver, I think Bean goes with the best player he's got and then you, you make the rest of it work. I like the idea of, of some of the interior Dean linemen like uh, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia is a good example. And I've seen him mock to the Bills a few times in the last week or two. Yeah. In Georgia, you know, they didn't win a national title by accident. That defense has got so many, so much talent on it. And yeah, he's really, really, really good player. If he's there, he can fill that need and he'd be best player available if he falls there, there's some of the uh, cornerbacks that have been linked I, I quite like as well. Um, I do like the idea of, of um, putting someone in, uh, like Andrew Booth Jr. is probably going to be my CB1 now. Um, unfortunately, not going to test at the Combine now either, but I think he would have tested really, really well. Um, as you say, having Trey White coming back and having uh, a younger guy on the other side of the field, someone like Booth, whose skill set just, it's, his skill set is so pro ready. I think that that would work so well. Um, mm. If they it's when, go... when Trey comes back as well, I've, I've seen a few things. It might be halfway, might be a kind of week eight. He may not be really? ready for week one. I mean, uh, who even knows? ACL is a year, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is, yeah. Um, yes. And by a year, we mean 12 months. It, yeah. You know, it could be it could be halfway through the season it, and, and then certainly to be 100%. Then you look so, at Jameson. Then you look at Jameson Williams, who done it. Um, what was it in December, January, and he's already way ahead of schedule. And seen some of the um, some of the recovery videos of he's posted on Twitter. Yeah. And all that it's it's just how you manage how you manage it. Yeah. Did, did you see he was even being questioned uh, this week at the combine about? The Buffalo and their offense and he said he'd love to play with Josh Allen and he has spoken to the Bills and yeah. I, I love all those little feeder stories when um, players have been linked with teams in the interview because of, of course the, the chances are he would have talked to at least 20 teams in the league but they, they'll feed him if you've spoken to the Bills do you like Josh Allen if you're <laughs> yeah. a wide receiver that's as quick as Jameson Williams of course you would love <laughs> to play in that offense uh, what do you think about Stefan Diggs? Yeah, he seems he's, he's good. You could learn stuff from him too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, there's your headline. Exactly, yeah. and that it would it would be a bit of a cheat code as well, putting Jameson Williams in that offense yeah. as another, um, you know, one of those offenses is is those sort of receivers is is uh, such a great spot for them. Yeah. So let let's 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 go on. Let's um the last the last little thing before we before we sign off and all that because it's been a really great um great great um interview. We've got a lot of, um lot out there. 
Um, David Obajo uh, and uh, Bam Olasemi, I can pronounce his name right for the first time. The two Brits that are actually in the in the draft. What what are your takes on them, and where do you really see them um, fitting in the in the league? Well, um, David Ajabo, born in Nigeria, raised in Scotland. I love seeing him talk about uh, Scotland and it, it, you know fond memories of it and growing up there. It's it's great. Um, he's he's a seriously good player, guys. Like mm. he could be a top ten pick in the draft. He's like really 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 toolsy edge rusher and um, sleek athletic edge rusher. Kind of fits the more three four outside linebacker spot, which. Um, a lot of the NFL teams love now in their um, and their edge rushers, the kind of more slimmer, speedier guys that have the kind of the tools, the tricks and the bend to get around blockers. But um, against blockers, he's got a lot. Of, he, he's got a lot of tricks to get away from them as well. We had a great season with with Michigan. Um, as I say, speed is his thing. I've, I've, like it's one of the big notes on him. He's, he's, he's a real speed rusher and um again the the more athletic testing he does if he interviews well yeah he could go in the top half of the first round seriously good and a really a, a top prospect for brits to get behind which is always always really good um bamo laseni as you say utah offensive lineman probably will be a day three pick but mm. he's 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 a guy to watch utah had an excellent season last season and their offense worked basically around the run game and the and how well the offensive line played. Um, yeah. One of his best tapes is against Oregon and a one-on-one -on -one with Kayvon Thibodeau, who's in line to be as, uh, at the top of the edge class, top of the whole class in line as one of the he's number one picks. And He's also got, um, he's also got yeah. a wingspan, hasn't he, of them? Yeah. Really to the Canadian goose, which made his <laughs> wingspan. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just find something that is similar to his. It is a huge wingspan. It's like it's a record-setting wingspan of some sort for for when he was his measurement. Yeah, he's an enormous guy. He's about six eight, about three hundred and thirty-eight mm. pounds, but moves really well on his feet. He's a really good run blocker. He can move well for the for the size. Um, technical work as a pass protector needs a little bit of work. Playing at left tackle, you would hope that he can. He can work on that. He's a de he's a developmental guy, but um, British fans, um, he's definitely worth getting behind. He can de he can definitely he's def definitely got a ceiling to meet. And like I say, if he goes to the right right team in the right situation, he, there's so many teams that have good offensive line coaches, and he's physically he fits the mould that an offensive line coach will say. I would love to work with him. I, I can make him better because there is definite ceiling to be had with him. I think he's got a future. Yeah. So, Robin, is there anything else you want to add before we before we wrap this up? Uh, I've just got one question left for Liam, not combine or, or draft related, just a Bills related uh, question. Just wanted to get a, an outsider's perspective uh, for uh, something the Bills fans have been throwing around. Uh, Liam, uh, Gronk or no Gronk? He's been linked. He's been linked with the organisation. Um, I'm, I'm, I would say no Gronk from a point of view of the AFC East. I cannot imagine Bills, Bills Mafia enjoying a Patriots All Pro like Gronk showing up. Scheme-wise, Gronk as a player will fit 
any offense you you will kind of, you will find a way to accommodate him but um yeah i can understand it either way to be honest i would be very uneasy about having a guy that as good as gronk has played against you for years and is there, and really is there a um a gronk type player in the tight end draft La- last question i promise the last question is there a gronk type player in the tight in the tight end room the tight end group this season is as good a group and as deep a group as it's been for a few years um i haven't said i i i do positional rankings at the end of the whole process and for now kind of players are in kind of tiers of twos or threes and i have absolutely no idea it's similar to the quarterback group actually not sure which way that the whole top 10 or 20 will go in time but at the top there's some really really good guys um trey mcbride colorado state comes to mind greg dolchich from ucla comes to mind and these are guys that are gronk type tight ends they can they're athletic and they're big guys. Everything that the kind of Travis Kelsey's, uh, yeah. the Mark Andrews of the world, the kind of all-round receiving skill set of tight ends nowadays is is very very scary and I imagine incredibly hard to play against. And yeah, it's another really really good group this year. Yeah. So so Liam, thank you very very much for coming on the um, coming on the show. Where Thanks can you, our followers um, follow you on social media and any upcoming projects or the website you mentioned earlier that they can uh, find you on? Uh, the website is liam66nfl.wordpress.com. Um, it's all it's all draft until until the draft for now. I've got there's going to be top 100s, as I say, um, into April. I have uh, my annual mega dive of the group, which is positional rankings at every position probably top 20 at least at every position um you can find me on social media on twitter at liam 66 nfl and yeah if you newbie or a draft veteran um I'll, there's always going to be daily things on the draft from from here until the end of april and thank you so much for having me on guys because it's been really really good really good meeting you really good to talk about a specific team needs as well because it's it's so interesting uh, to me to to get an idea of what teams are looking for and that so yeah it's been great no, thank you Liam. You've, you've certainly made this ignorant man just a little <laughs> bit less ignorant about the draft so thank you so much it's been a real education it's been terrific oh cheers robin thanks man well if i if if i've yeah if i can hear that then it's been a successful evening so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Liam, thank you for for coming on. This Cheers, Matt guys. And, and this is Matt. This is Robin. We say um, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Thank you for listening to the show. Keep subscribing and liking. Follow Liam for more draft information. And let's go, Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Yeah, not us. You don't know anything about work. You know anything about work? Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.